So our reading today will be from Acts chapter 2, verses 26, no, 36 through to 48. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brother, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far, or for all whom the Lord of our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks, Ailey. Um, I'm going to... My water bottle's too tall to go on the shelf. Um, I'm going to apologise in advance. I have both a cold and have also recently attended a Harry Styles concert. And for both of those reasons, I'm a bit croaky today. Um, so I do apologise for that. Um, I've taken many throat pastels and have plenty of water beneath me, so we should be okay. Um, but thank you, Ailey, and thanks to everyone who shared. It is always such an encouragement to hear different ways that God is at work in and through his people, and I love when we make space to hear those stories and to be encouraged together. It's really great to be with you this morning. Um, as Abby has alluded to, um, I had the utter privilege of being brought up in this church. I was baptized just under that bit of carpet there about five and a half years ago. Um, and it's really great to be back. It's really fun to see you all again and to see lots of old faces as well. Um, it's great to have an opportunity to catch up with you. Um, and I'm really excited to be speaking on Pentecost. The descent of the Holy Spirit upon all of God's people is such a cause for celebration. And I do think that we often finish both our narration, but also our celebration of the life and the work of Jesus at the resurrection. And yet, if we don't include both his ascension and the events of Pentecost, our story is incomplete. Because not only did Jesus walk among us, not only was he crucified that we may have salvation from our sins, not only was he resurrected into new life, but he also ascended into heaven to rule at the right hand of the Father and to intercede on our behalf with the promise of the Holy Spirit who gives us power. At Pentecost, the power of God, the power that raised Jesus from the dead was granted to mundane people like you and like me. And I fear I've got a wee bit ahead of myself already, forgive me. But I really want us to come into this narrative with a posture of, of celebration, of awe, of reverence. I want us to be aware that the Holy Spirit, that God is present with us right here, that he's dwelling within us, he's working through us, he's speaking to us. And so I'm going to pray, and then let's look at this passage together. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are entirely good, entirely powerful, entirely loving, entirely just. 
Thank you that you rule with grace. And thank you that you invite us into your mission, that you, you allow us the privilege of having a role to play. Jesus, thank you for your life, death, resurrection, and ascension. And Lord, thank you that when you ascended from earth, you promised that there would be an advocate who would come. Thank you that we never walk alone, that God's presence with us is now eternally. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here present with us. Thank you that you bring the love, the joy, the peace of God into every crevice of our lives. Thank you that you speak. God, would you speak to us today in worship, in prayer, in scripture, through the words I'm about to share. God, would you reveal more of yourself to us. Amen. I think the events of Pentecost are really super exciting for so many reasons. I love the Holy Spirit. I love that God walks with me every day of my life. I love hearing from God through scripture and visions and prophetic words. I love the fruits of the Holy Spirit, being connected to the source of joy, love, goodness, self-control, faithfulness. And I love the role the Holy Spirit plays in the church's mission. And so today, on Mission Sunday, off the back of the week you spent praying and fasting for harvest workers, and on the theme of mission that we've already been so blessed by this morning, we're going to look at the formation of the early church and its mission through the power of the Holy Spirit. I had a super fun conversation recently with some friends as part of some training provided by the Baptist Union of Scotland. Our topic was, what is absolutely necessary in order to be a church? If we strip our understanding of church right down to the bare bones, what remains? It was a really fun conversation to be a part of. There were heated debates about structure and minimum numbers and gatherings and sacraments and mission. And in all these conversations, we found that a constant and a helpful grounding point was the early church depicted in Acts. A church that in many ways looks completely different to our understanding and our practice of church today. And yet there's no doubt that the community of believers gathered in Jerusalem in the first century were definitely church. And we gathered here today as St. Andrew's Baptist Church are also definitely church. Church, and our particular focus today of the church doing mission, has looked different in different times, in different contexts, with different people. And that's not because God changes, it's not because the gospel changes, but because the world constantly does. And so our methods of living out the good news and sharing that with people um, changes to match the context that we are situated within. And I'm going to attempt to do a wee bit of church history right now. Bear with me. It's not my area of expertise. Um, and there are people in this congregation far better seated to this conversation than I am. But I think it can be helpful in order to understand this cultural moment to place ourselves within our wider context. For nearly as long as there have been Christians in Britain, Britain has been considered a Christian nation. Once Constantine granted Christians the freedom to worship, Christianity began to become widespread across Britain. And in time, British society entered into an age of Christendom the time where Christianity sat at the center of society, holding levels of power over societal morals and values, and holding um, influence within governing powers and authorities. Church historians will disagree on when this age began and when this age ended, but it has remained the case up until really very recently that Christianity has held significant influence upon society. Gerald Bray, who's a, theolo a theologian and ecclesiastical historian, identifies 1963 as a turning point uh, for a rapid decline and eventual collapse of the structure loosely known as Christian Britain. And so we now find ourselves living in a post-Christendom society. The church, for many different reasons, no longer sits in the center of society, as displayed here. 
Um, this is a little graphic I made. It took me longer than I'd like to admit. Um, <laughs> but for the visual learners among us, the Circles Society, the church is in the middle of it. Um, <laughs> I hope it might be helpful for at least one person. Um, <laughs> um, but the church, for many different reasons, no longer sits in the centre. Um, but instead, we probably more accurately find ourselves situated here, um, on the margins of society. Um, and this can feel really disheartening, it can feel frustrating. Um, we can feel pretty powerless compared to the level of influence that the church once knew. However, we can take heart. This is not the first time the church has sat on the margins of society. It's not the first time that the church has existed in contrast to the governing powers of the day. And so, as we seek to do church, and particularly mission, in a post-Christendom society, I believe there is so much to be learned from the early church. The church pre-Christendom, if you will. Um, and so, with this framework in mind, let's turn to the story of Pentecost that the ones were early read to us from Acts 2. The story of Pentecost begins on the day of the Jewish festival Shavuot. Jesus has come, he has walked on earth, he has died, he has risen, he has ascended into heaven, and we now see a small community of believers gathered. Shavuot, also called the Feast of Weeks, was celebrated 50 days after Passover, and in Jewish tradition first occurred 50 days after the Exodus, and was celebrated to commemorate the wheat harvesting. Jewish tradition states that the Torah, the words and commandments of God, were given to the people of Israel on Mount Sinai at Shavuot. At Passover, the Exodus, the people of Israel were freed from their enslavement to Pharaoh, and it was then at Shavuot that the Israelites were given the Torah, equipping them to be a nation committed to serving God. Let's remember that it was at Passover that Jesus was crucified, and I don't therefore believe it to be a coincidence that on Passover the people of God were freed from their enslavement to sin and to death at the crucifixion of Jesus, and it was on Shavuot that they were given the Holy Spirit and became a people fully equipped to serve God. We see the life of the King of the Jews mapped onto the Jewish calendar. Pentecost, the descent of the Holy Spirit upon all of God's people, began the church that from that moment forth has been growing, has been developing, has been prophesying, has been evangelizing, has been redeeming, has been restoring. In the church calendar, the church began with the coming of the Holy Spirit. Without the events of Pentecost and the spirit that is still living and active with us today, we'd simply be unable to do mission. And it wouldn't matter how informed and how clever and how strategic and how passionate we may be. Without the power of the spirit dwelling inside us and inside those we interact with, our mission's impossible and our efforts would be wasted. Next slide. Jesus tells his disciples before his ascension that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. We, Jesus' disciples, we the church, are given the power of God. And Jesus presents a really clear purpose as to why this is. It's that we will be his witnesses, telling people about him everywhere. Our 21st century church does not, cannot, should not operate exactly like the early church did in Jerusalem. We may be doing the same mission, but we're on a very different mission field. However, I don't, equally don't think our church doing mission today um, can or should look exactly like the church did a century ago, or even half a century ago, because our mission field has once again changed. And yet, we can be encouraged. As Paul states, it is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead um, that now dwells within you and within me, enabling and equipping us to do his mission. And that remains true regardless of the field we stand upon. 
The fruit of the power of the Holy Spirit is transformation. The heart of God's mission, which he invites us into, is redemption and restoration. The transformation of minds, bodies, souls, and the transformation of all of creation from broken to restored. There's transformative power for individuals, there's transformative power for the early church, and there's transformative power for us now. The Holy Spirit comes with the power to save. Okay, next slide. Peter declares that the promise of the Holy Spirit is for each person there and for their children and for all those who are far off, for everyone whom the Lord will call. There were 3,000 people added to their number that very day. That is 3,000 lives changed in that moment, not to mention the ripple effect that each of these lives will have. Their spheres of influence, their future families, generations transformed. Thousands experienced the Holy Spirit and its power to save at Pentecost, and we are now witnesses, and witnesses of and attesters to the millions of lives utterly transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit from that day forward. It was the power of the Holy Spirit working within the hearts of those listening, responding to the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking through Peter and all those gathered and speaking in other tongues. And in a time where we are witnessing the numbers in church gatherings rapidly declining in the UK, church attendance decreased by almost a quarter between 2019 and 2022. We need to be crying out to God and asking him to fill us with the Holy Spirit and his power to save with the faith and the knowledge that God can add thousands to our number. And we don't do that because we're caught up on numbers. We don't do it because it will look good. We don't do it because we need more volunteers on the rotor, though I'm sure that's always welcome. Um, but we do it because we want to see God's will be done here in St. Andrews as it is in heaven. And so we must be gathering together, aware and obedient to how the Holy Spirit may be using us and guiding us to invite those around us, as Peter did, to save themselves from this corrupt generation. Our context may look somewhat different, but we cannot deny the brokenness within us, within our society, within our generations. And the invitation for those listening to save themselves is really an invitation to say a simple yes to the salvation work already done by Christ on the cross. Each of us here today who know and who love Jesus will be able to speak to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. Some of us may be able to identify singular moments of significant transformation, but we will all be able to testify to the constant, continual transformation that knowing Jesus has created within us as we've witnessed prayers answered and matured more into the likeness of Christ. The Holy Spirit at Pentecost transformed individuals and in turn transformed the gathering of the, of the church. The early believers were already committed to gathering together to pray and to worship. It is because of this commitment that they were gathered in one place when the Holy Spirit descended upon them. And I think it could have been really easy to see the coming of the Holy Spirit as permission to stop gathering together, as an answer to their prayers and a release from gathering to the far more exciting work of going out and doing mission and telling people about Jesus and his resurrection. Kevin, next slide. Um, but instead, we are told that this new church devoted themselves not only to gathering together, but to teaching and fellowship and communion and prayer and to living in intentional community with one another. I think believers gathering together can sometimes feel slightly counterproductive to mission. Um, this may reveal something of my personality, but I remember once asking a mentor of mine, why on earth are we all hidden away gathering together uh, when we have all of eternity to do that and there is so much to be done outside of these church walls? <laughs> um, I'm really grateful to God that he places rational thinkers in my life who so patiently listening, listen to my external processing and so gently and lovingly point me towards Jesus and his word. 
Because in order to be a missional church, the early church were first a gathered church. And in order to be a growing church, they began as a small but united church. They recognized that their mission came from a place of unity and invited people into a community um, where the worship of God sat first and foremost and all else was from an outpouring of that. The coming of the Holy Spirit gave the church the power to unite. People of different languages, different backgrounds, different ages were sharing all that they had and having everything in common. And as many of you will know, I grew up with two siblings and I'm sure they'd be willing to provide some specific examples afterwards over some tea and coffee. Um, but trust me when I say it doesn't come naturally and nor is it easy uh, for humans to share space and share belongings and share their lives together. Um, in order for the early church to be able to unite and be an intentional community, they needed God, they needed the power of the Holy Spirit to enable them to do so. And the community in Acts went further than just coexisting. They were a community that actively loved one another. Their love was practical in how they displayed it. Their church gave to anyone in need in their community. They came together to practically love their neighbors. If you read further on into Acts, you see this early church creating systems to protect widows and to provide for the poor and the vulnerable. I have next slide. I think many of us may resonate with the response of the rich young ruler in Matthew 19 when he's encouraged by Jesus to sell his possessions and give to the poor. A response of hesitancy, of unwillingness, of dismay. To love our neighbor over our possessions is not easy. It doesn't come naturally. It was the power of the Holy Spirit enabling a self-sacrificial love, modeling the ultimate self-sacrificial love shown by Jesus that sustained a community of believers and allowed the church to be missional. There's a Jewish custom of providing great hospitality during times of festivals such as Pentecost. Um, and here we see the early church continuing this feast time hospitality into their daily lives. They took what had been reserved for specific times of celebration and turned it into a holistic lifestyle. In this way, they held a posture of constant celebration. Galatians 5 tells us that one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is joy and others include kindness and love. In receiving the Holy Spirit, the early church were equipped to celebrate in their hospitality and to be hospitable in their celebration. And in living in such a way as a community that is intentional in how it loves and how it hosts and how it worships, we are told that the fruit of this is that God was adding to their number daily. Jesus invites us to be part of his mission on earth, to make disciples of all, nation, of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. But he also promises to be with us always and that the power that we receive when the Holy Spirit comes will equip us to be his witnesses. If we prioritize living out the example of church shown in Acts 2, we can have full faith that God has the power to add to our number daily. I don't want to present it as an equation, but if X equals hospitality and Y equals breaking bread and Z equals having everything in common, then X plus Y plus Z equals a growing church. This is why I moved from maths to theology. Um, we know that God has the power to do immeasurably more than that. Um, and we know that his grace doesn't depend on our algebraic abilities. Um, but what we see in Acts is a church obedient to God and the guiding of his spirit, aware and responding to the needs of their context and their time, um, committed to the word of God and the people of God, intentional in engaging consistently in prayer and in sacraments, and being willing to take steps of faith outside their comfort zone in order to be witnesses of Jesus. As a church of people who have received the power of the Holy Spirit, there are such exciting mission opportunities presented to us. We're enabled to love our neighbors in ways that can seem radical. We can walk with people through both the valleys and the mountaintops. 
We can share the gospel with a boldness that we simply do not possess within ourselves, but also with a supernatural gentleness and sensitivity, seeking God's wisdom to care for people well. We can show selfless generosity, freely and joyfully giving our time, our money, the card machine is downstairs, um, the resources we steward to put towards God's redemptive and restorative work. And we can be intentional in community, delighting in one another's company, prioritizing prayer, teaching, communion, and choosing to regularly gather together because we trust the Lord's ways and timings enough to not worry about what we might miss. The coming of the Holy Spirit upon those first believers was a catalyst for the church that we are now a part of. But God's provision of the Holy Spirit was not a one-time thing. The promise, as Peter said, was for the believers there on that day and for their children. A promise from Jesus that although he is now ascended to heaven, God is present, walking among us and dwelling within us. And so I want to leave us with the promise from Jesus found in John 14, where he says, um, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. If we jump down to verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. So let's pray, and then I believe Ian, Ian is going to come up and lead us in some more prayers, but I'll just close in prayer now. Living God, we adore you. Thank you that we have received the Holy Spirit, that you are living and active within this church and within us. Thank you that the power of the Holy Spirit is transformative. And Lord, would you transform us in this moment? Would you bring light to darkness, hope to despair, comfort to mourning, peace to anxiety? And Lord, would you use us to transform your world in St. Andrews and beyond? Use us, Father, in your mission of redemption and restoration. May we be a church living in and producing the fruits of your spirit. Would you give us boldness? Would you give us creativity? Lord, would you give us wisdom? And may we respond to the provision of your spirit as the church did in Acts. Increase our devotion to you and our faith in your sobriety. Spirit of the living God, would you fall afresh on us this morning? Amen.